When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Welcome back to Mike and Maurice's Mind Escape. Let us help you escape your mind. Folks, welcome back to Mike and Maurice's Mind Escape. We have episode number 261 tonight. We are live, and we're joined by our good buddy, The Astral. Um, just so everybody knows, before we get started, uh, Maurice and I are going to be doing one episode a month together going forward for now until he edits our documentary and everything, because he's just too busy with work and everything going on right now. But uh, send Maurice your love. I've got the tracks to his new you know, bands music down below. And again, we'll be doing one episode, me and him uh, a month. Um, so look for that. But uh, if you are interested, our buddy, the astral is a rapper. Um, you know, he's also into the UAP UFO stuff. We've been doing a lot of Twitter spaces. Uh, he does like these cool remote viewing Twitter spaces, which everybody loves. Uh, so go follow him on Twitter, but the link to his website and all of his stuff is down below. He was also recently fe- uh, featured in a vice piece which uh is really awesome so go check that out as well and uh yeah if you want to support mind escape all you have to do is click on the link tree link down below we've got tons of amazing stuff on there uh merch store um patreon patreon's just two dollars a month uh and i just I, actually tonight i'm going to be uploading uh the patreon we did with our friend leah uh which was phenomenal and then also the one we just did with uh, rick strassman a q a um, which I'm going to upload tonight. So check those out. Uh, that Rick Strassman episode was awesome. So please go view that as well. And, uh, yeah, shout out to Toby, shout out to Chase and, uh, let's get this thing rolling. What's going on Astral? Welcome to Mind Escape. What's up, man? What's going on? Shane, Mike, what up? Thanks for having me on. What's up, yeah. Astral? It's a long time coming. Uh, I know we were trying to fit it in before and then I was moving and things you know started to happen life happened so uh but glad to get you on and um yeah actually you know we had mess message back and forth a little bit and then um i started seeing you in spaces and then we just started talking and uh, chilling in, in the twitter spaces and stuff so um why don't you give us a little bit of a background of like all the different projects and everything you're into before we get started into you know all the 
awesome stuff for you know with the uap ufo and size stuff yeah no doubt no doubt and um i really just jumped into the spaces for uh like ufo twitter and got kind of into that in the last couple of months um and just the networking and and being able to come on here um with you guys has been awesome uh, just a little bit of background on myself i guess um how i got involved in a lot of the um psi and uap even with music stuff i went to um the art institute of atlanta uh studied audio engineering was an audio engineer there um and really when i went there i started having uh, my first experience was a precognitive dream and um i got robbed so i i got all my music equipment stolen imagine just just having a dream where you get all your stuff stolen um and then three days later it actually happened um so i come back and all my stuff stolen and so after that, you know, I just really got into the subject. I got into out-of-body experiences and astral projection. Um, and then I moved to North Carolina and uh, from Atlanta, I was at the time, and I learned about the Rhine Research Center, um, which was an official research center um, that, that really looked into the science of it. And that's kind of what I was interested in. So I really just, just got involved um, contributed in any way that I could and um, uh, really tried to learn about all of the, the the subjects and the researchers and and about parapsychology. And I guess I just became like a total nerd. I became a total nerd in, in the subject. And along the way, I just kept um, uh, being interested in music. And I've always wanted to bring something that I never heard before. And so that's kind of what the music is. It- that I make, I try to make something that I, I guess is unique um, and, and that has a little bit of a message to it about the information that I've been learning along the way that has to do with like psychic phenomenon and UAPs and um, different things like that. And so that's just a little bit about the, the background of how I, how I kind of got involved in, into all this. Nice. Yeah. So um, yeah, I can tell you know what you're doing with sound and everything. Um, you know, a lot of people can dabble, you know, uh, we've got MIDI controllers and Logic Pro and Pro Tools out there today. So there's a lot of people doing it, but, um, you know, you can tell when somebody knows what's up. So I appreciate listening to your track. Um, I think it was the one about like riding on a spaceship or I forget the, um, the name of it, but, um, I told you, I, th- I thought it was like a mix between like, you know, those meditation tracks and like also like rap music, which was kind of cool. I think it's unique, you know, kind of a, um, a hybrid, uh, if you will. Um, but yeah, I, I really appreciate your stuff. And, um, you know, it's one of those things where, I mean, I've been into music through technology now. Like I said, I think I took, I took a music through technology class in high school. So it was like 20 years ago. Um, yeah. we were using like sonar i think was the program that we were using i don't even know if they still make sonar as a daw but um well one of the things man that that really i got interested in was when i learned about robert monroe Mm -hmm. and what he was doing with like binaural beats and it always got me interested like man if there's some way to like get people to listen to something and then have them have an out-of-body experience from it Right. Or like uh, assist in it in some way or get them in tune with getting interested in it. And so I've, I've always been interested in like the experiences of, that people have, um, because the two things that that have affected my life the strongest have been when 
I learned about astral projection and out-of-body experiences, and then I like had one, and then I did CE5 and Heist. Like I, I never had a sighting or saw anything UFO or UAP related, and then I learned about CE5 and like Heist, and like people were going out, and it was the same thing with astral projection. I was like, man, that's bullshit. Like no way you can go out there like mm-hmm. intentionally do it. And so those were the two things where like I studied it. I was like dead serious about learning more about it. And then I had the experiences that had to do with it. And so those were the two things. And and I wanted to incorporate it somehow with music um, into that. And and that's where the, the character um, and the persona of the astral came from. Yeah. So um, in terms of like the binaural beat thing, um do you also make your own like binaural beats and stuff like that? Like, do you meditate your, to your own stuff or is there something that you listen to in particular that you enjoy? Yeah, I have uh, a couple VST instruments that I use specifically that have um, alternating uh, tones that they make. So they're like, uh, they're, uh, they are binaural beats, VST instruments, and you can make them in sync with your music uh, through like MIDI connected to your computer. Um, and so I use like all, all I've sync all of my machines up and all of my music so that I could have them, um, all in the same tempo, but then change the different tones of what the binaural beats are doing. And so I can target this specific, like a specific tone if I wanted to and have it switching back and forth. Um, and then I just embed it sort of underneath, uh, music, uh, but when I do it, I do it to more of like a scout, a soundscape of something that you would get into a deep meditative state. So when I do, um, my hip hop stuff, it's a little bit different. I don't try and do like all of the binaural beats and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Um, what's your, uh, what's your dog choice? Uh, well to produce music, I use logic. Um, and then I use a lot of hardware, like an MPC, I use all Korg stuff. I love the sounds that Korg has. Um, when I mix and engineer it um, and um, you kind of mess with the sounds, I use Pro Tools. That's awesome. Yeah, I, uh, I bought a micro Korg for, I had it for about a couple of years. Then I got rid of it because I didn't really use it that much. But like, I love playing with that kind of stuff. Um, I just posted something the other day. I just busted out my Alesis, you know. Uh, 49 key here just to dabble again when i'm trying to create a uh, intro song for our new roswell ufo symposium podcast but uh yeah i love doing that stuff man it's so fun and um if you know what you're doing um you know you can do some pretty cool stuff now with technology so um i tell you i actually own a bunch of i got logic i got me a keyboard mixing stuff and i have no clue what i'm doing it's still fun i like to make oh dude it sound like (laughs) crap bro but i love it Dude, what I realized working in the studio, because I I went to school in Atlanta for audio engineering, and then I interned at a professional recording studio, right, for two years. The second day I was there, Lil Wayne came in to record. So I was like, oh, shit, this is going to be crazy. But what I learned most of being in the sessions was that everybody's just fucking around everybody's like nobody's really taking it that serious and then whatever happens for that session is used for the song and so people go in and producers go in and they just mess around and experiment the whole time and then uh you know they'll have a lot of people involved there's a lot more people involved there's songwriters and 
um, actual singers, producers, engineers, people that are invested in making it a good song. And so that's kind of what I learned is like a lot of it is just experimentation, people fucking around. They don't have a lot of uh, like theory experience. So Shane, you're like, I'm a, I want to learn theory. I'm like, no, you don't want to. You don't want to try to learn theory. It's so hard. <laughs> but um, it's very valuable to to have, you know, like I'd love for my kids to be able to learn theory right now. to like for a base of, of that knowledge. Um, but, yeah, that's kind of what I learned in the studio, which was cool to see. Yeah, I mean, even if you had the general overview you know like you knew about like the scales and the modes and things like that i think that would just be helpful somewhat i mean it just depends on what you're trying to do too you know uh but yeah i mean i'm I'm a big proponent of i mean i'm an autodidact i taught myself music theory Uh, i did take like some music classes in high school and a little bit in college but um nothing crazy so i mean most of it was on my own but i think that you while you can teach yourself stuff um I want my son to obviously, like you said, like learn music theory in like school and hopefully, you know, if nothing else, it makes you like a well-rounded person. So, um, in terms of, uh, like the size stuff, so, you know, you mentioned CE5. So are you talking like, did, did you do like, uh, Dr. Stephen Greer's protocols? Did you kind of just do it on your own or did you like go by what he was doing did you have you ever been on one of his retreats or whatever or i learned about it first from from greer reading his books on it and then i learned about i I was introduced to joseph burks through um uh a friend of mine and so but really i I learned about it through through stephen greer and then i could i kind of just did research about it online I was also uh, came in contact with a guy who his name is Costa. He uh, runs a website in a uh, kind of like a network called uh, I think it's ET Let's Talk. And he coordinates like CE5s monthly at a specific date. Um, And so I always thought that was kind of interesting that that people were were doing it. And so I just went out and, and had the app that he had started doing it started just going out on my own and nothing really happened until actually I went out with my brother I mean I would see like shooting stars consecutively and maybe some lights here and there but nothing that was like man you know like okay so I went one uh, one time with my brother in in Massachusetts and bought in in um, Martha's Vineyard and so we went out just me and him and I was kind of showing him like the app I was like bro let's just go out right and um, so we went out to this kind of area that was that was away from uh, the town, the Eger town. And so we went out and played the, the app and like 15 minutes in, he was like, man, what's what's supposed to happen? And as soon as he said that, a light appeared in the sky and started moving. And we were like, yo, that's crazy. Hmm. So I brought out my phone and I started like instead of videoing it, <laughs> I started flashing it. I flashed it twice with my flashlight and it flashed twice back at us. And we, we like, we went nuts. We were like, what the fuck? You know, like, whoa, yo, like we're, we're and so I was like, yo. So then I'm like, had to, I, I composed myself enough to be like, bro, let's do it again. And so I did it again, right? Flash it twice and it flashed back twice again. And so then we were like, what dude? And then it kind of drifted off and disappeared. And so, and my brother had been interested in, in UFOs and stuff, but he was more of like analytical. So the whole time back to the car, he's like, well, it wasn't a satellite and it wasn't at this. And, you know, so he's going through and, 
Um, but that was the one time where I was like, dang, that was that was kind of crazy um, to have that happen when we go out there and, and intentionally try to try to have something happen. Yeah. Do you consider that as communication? I mean, somewhat, I, I would think, man, of, of something. I don't know what it's saying or what that means. Um, but, you know, for us to flash twice and flash back, I mean, it's 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 a significant it's more of a significant than like just flying by and not doing anything, you know? The reason I asked that is I have a video of, this is before I knew what it was, what I was dealing with. This is when I was still amazed. And I, and I think I, in the video, I'm like, what is this? But I flash it twice and then it flashes twice back. I have a video of that Dang. same thing. That's why I asked, same thing. And I'm like, yeah. what? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. That's yeah, crazy. I mean, um, did you? So you mentioned heist too. Um, Elizondo talks a lot about that. Do you? Why don't you give everybody a little bit of an overview of what that is? Because I don't, I don't think I've actually ever talked about it. I mean, we've talked about like CE five and trying to make contact, but I don't think we've ever mentioned heist before. Well, I, you know what? I've talked with Joseph Burks um, just about the the topic of it. I, I don't really know the acronym or or be able to go into it i've just kind of been introduced to him and and gone through exchanges with email but i think he uh, one of the things he says is like i feel like he was doing it a lot longer than greer was and that he looked at this is i don't want to say it word for word and, and i don't remember it as but he thought when greer was coming out and doing the ce5 he saw him as like dang, like this dude is going to take up the reins for what I'm doing and like tell everybody. And then he started like charging people a bunch and shit. And mm. like, I think that started rubbing people the wrong way of like maybe per- putting your personal interest um, of success in front of the, the the mission or the goal of like getting the message out. I think that might have um, maybe put him off maybe a little bit and I don't want to speak for anybody else's feelings on it, but that's kind of what I felt as well personally Mm -hmm. about it. Um, because he was so influential, I think in the beginning of like the disclosure project and like shit that he was doing that that's why I was like, I was like, yo, this dude's like trying to do something for real. He's trying to like get the shit out. He's trying to get the message out. Um, and so, um, but, but for heist, I just found it interesting that like people were doing it differently. People were have different methods, whether they were playing, music or tones or like um things they were thinking of or like different methods they were getting into uh beforehand uh and and the the guy Casas when he was doing the coordinated ones where he had groups of people around the world doing it i think just different ways that people were doing it were interesting to me and that's why uh you know initially i was like dang you know and that's that's what i think got me interested in the sigh as well is just related stories and things that I read about that were totally not having to do with each other, different time periods or like out of body experiences and shit like that. So, um, you know, when, when I 
when people talk about like CE5 or Heist or what, you know, they always mention, well, you don't know who you're contacting or you don't know who's going to be on the other line, right? Um, for me, I've never had any like negative experiences like that. I know a lot of people have, and so much as so is when people are saying that, and I say all my experiences have been positive. They're like, "Whoa, you, you know, you, it's probably still negative in some way." You know, like they get all you know worked up about it, which I understand because if you've had a negative experience, you know, you you know have a completely opposite take on it. But um, I wonder, do you think it's like? psychomimetic or a reflection of your own state at the time meaning if you think if you're already in like a scared mode going in or you have some sort of fear or something generating at the time that maybe it's reflective of that in that experience uh kind of a thing like whereas if i go in like let's say i take psilocybin or something and i have like a unique experience and i'm connecting with something um, and it's positive and I'm having good vibes, you know, maybe it's, it's vibing back or I'm getting some sort of knowledge, um, in that regard. Like, I don't know. I mean, how do you think about that? Because yeah, again, like, it is kind of like, a weird uh, dichotomy. Like the experience is based off of your emotional state at the time. Um, I think it's more of your interpretation is going to be based off of your emotional state at the time. A lot of it. Um, but it is interesting to always see like with near death experiences, um, how sometimes there are, uh, figures that appear that are more, um, related to people's beliefs, uh, to their real life beliefs. Um, but then there's totally ones that aren't related and then they sort of come out of a near death experience, not being as close, I guess, to that religious um connection and it's more of like a universal connection mm -hmm. so that that's kind of where where i've been coming from too yeah i mean again I, i'm open i that's why i like listening to people because i mean everybody's got different experiences and um that's why i, I trend towards more you know we've talked about this before but like the keel or valet you know like kind of um these these energies or entities taking on different forms maybe something that you, you didn't identify with or have been researching or something like that. Um, but I also wonder too about the fear thing, because let's say you have a inherent fear of like gray aliens or the gray alien archetype or um, whatever. Does that mean when you have that experience, it's going to be negative because you already have a preconceived notion about what's going to happen. Right. So I don't know if that matters. No. And one of the, one of the things that I feel fortunate um, is ha is knowing um, my friend Ray Hernandez, who is really the, the the director of CCRI, who's formerly the Free Research Study, the one who took a look at the three thousand plus experiencers. Um, I think just me knowing him, helping him with the organization right now, and really being able to like get his perspective on like what's going on with all of the, the experiencers that it's such a huge dynamic of what's going on. So like negative aliens, bad aliens, grays, rips, like there's just so there's just so much even in that even in that that data set of 3000 people that have sent in, mm -hmm. there's like 800 different beings that people have interacted with. Who's to say what what's right, what's wrong, who's telling the truth, who's not? At this point we can't and I think 50 years ago what happened is we looked individually at each of these stories and we're tr trying to critique them so hard it's still nowadays like that's what we're doing we're each the individual thing coming out but then there's these studies that look at like thousands of these cases 
and you see that like over the scope of them, there's such a, a, a spectrum of this uh, experience that people are having that it's tough for one person to speak on it, what it is in and itself, you know? You know, I was actually going to make a point on that too. That's one of the things I have a hard time with. I'm very big on everyone speaking like to their experience because I always talk about Valet and Keel because these things, it's just there's across the board. But sometimes people speak to like, this is what's happening. When there's so many variations of it out there, do you have an actual theory that you kind of get behind? I know one of the things I've been reading lately, like uh, UFO Joe's been talking, he's kind of the prison planet thing. Uh, do you have any theories that you kind of stand behind that you kind of think is leaning towards that way? Well, I mean, I'm interested in a lot of them. Uh, I, it's hard the for zoo me to hypothesis like, or it, well, it, man, I, 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 sometimes I get lost in a rabbit hole of a YouTube video and I'll be really, really liking that idea. But, and then I'll hear something totally different where from a reputable source, uh, or, or somebody who's, who's done a lot in the field. And I'll be like, man, I like that one too. Uh, so it, it, it's tough um, for me to like it. All I know is I, I think there's a lot going on. Like, and we have, I, and nobody really has a clue whether it's organizations or us. I think experiencers right now are the, are the main source of the information. Um, I don't think that we're going to find out from, I mean, I, I do think that the government and, and a lot of these organizations do have a lot of information but I think the, the source of it right now to me is through experiencers. And so uh, the, these people who are coming out and, and talking about these experiences, um, I, I think are very important when um, they, they talk about these related psi experiences through consciousness uh, and the UAP phenomenon. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, for me, um, I keep an open mind. I don't really stick to one idea or I mean I have my own I you know I have this thing <clears throat> I've been talking about now for a while which is at very least um, um, as human beings this might be some sort of built-in you know evolutionary mechanism like of how we evolve and how we evolve our consciousness meaning we dangle this carrot in front of us of a mystery and then we we chase the carrot, we get the carrot, and then we create a new mystery. And we keep doing that, and it keeps catapulting us forward. Um, so at very least, um, I think we're doing this. But it doesn't really speak to, um, like, these experiences that we're talking about. I've had my own experiences, too, so it doesn't really speak to that. Only It would only be the case, though, if this was all a product or a byproduct of our mind, because we do have this crazy supercomputer between our ears. Um so I don't necessarily believe that, but that's like my baseline, right? Like that's like, I'm not a materialist per se, but that's about as close as I'll, I'll get to the whole thing. Uh, but I do think um, there is something to the altered state thing. Uh, I think you'd probably agree with that given everything that you're researching, um, whether it be lucid dreams and uh, meditation, astral projection, psychedelic experiences. There's something that happens in these altered states of consciousness that you cannot achieve during day-to-day -day consciousness. So, I mean, do you yeah. have an idea of what's going on? Well, it, you talk about the zoo, right? Like, to me, that's two different things. Um, that that we're 
the zoo in that there's other dimensions of beings that are observing us like a zoo, like you would like your dog <laughs> when he's outside through the curtains. Right. Um, or I feel like a zoo in that we can partake in this physical life outside of it. When we die, our astral spirit, soul self has the ability to come into these physical beings right like we found that ability or is that somehow transitional thing where we can have that in the physical bodies and i think that like whether we're consciously able to do that to pinpoint it from outside in i think there's some sort of system in place where once we get in the physical body we can't remember our spiritual life but that came behind us because we're a baby we live up and we don't have any memory of it and that's sort of to me when people talk about a simulation like to me that's the game when you wake up and and realize that is the spiritual form inside a physical avatar and people kind of talk about the simulation and that but that's more of like the lines of what i'm thinking um and then this is all just sort of experiences that people are having and one of the things, man, that I've heard recently, too, is like <laughs> just a crazy idea was like, that's why the the grays, the uh, we talk, people talk about like the grays of like the mm -hmm. abduction and the inbreeding. Like, that's why they were so frustrated is this is just what I've heard is because they couldn't figure out how consciousness works of like getting into a physical body. And so they were trying to do that through all of these methods of testing and and so that's what i think is so interesting about earth and how it's working right now and why there's so much attention to it uh like intergalactically is because we've got this consciousness thing going on where we insert consciousness into this physical avatar that lives in this one moment that passes on this timeline and so you have this experience that's finite and you can be able to live it out and sort of play this game of life so that's kind of a, my deep way of explaining it <laughs> no i like it actually uh similar to my like my uncle who's my godfather who kind of you know was when i was five years ago when i was kind of getting into all this stuff he kind of helped me nudge me along with some some ideas and concepts and stuff like that and his, his thing's kind of similar he thinks that we're like a um like this is like the first level right um like we're we're infant souls if you will like this is the jumping off point from here it's like infinity you know kind of like what you were mentioning so um i mean it would make sense um but like i always wonder that too so like people that let's say you believe in reincarnation how is it that only like a super small percentage of people and like usually these kids up to like a certain age remember the past life um but not like, you know, not everybody, you know, like I wonder about that. Like, so for me, I've come to the conclusion, I think all, a lot of things are possible, like reincarnation, maybe you move on to another level. Like, I don't think it's just like one system, one way of, of going about it. I don't know. Do you think about that? Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's crazy to just think about like the decisions that you make in your life, does it really determine your, <laughs> your like larger purpose of where you end up after like you die, if you even come back or progress through it. And so like reincarnation is just something that um, I think a, a lot of people think uh, occurs, you know, 
um, in some form or fashion. Like there's there's previous uh, lives that, like you said, like kids have had and they describe. Um, and there's whole like there's people that like devote their lives into studying this stuff of like interviewing kids who have had memories of uh, and, and that actually research the people and have found factual information that they can confirm through these like visions or memories that they've had. Yeah, so isn't it's, there a guy it's interesting. At University of Virginia or something that was. Um, yeah, what's I know that? who you're it's talking from, about. Uh, it's from that that um, surviving death. But I've seen him on other stuff too. It's like a he's he studied like hundreds of um, reincarnation uh, stories and stuff like that. Yep. Um, yeah, I don't know. But it's like it, it's like is there a rhyme or reason why it's happening to the people who are having them? You know, like do they live a specific life or do specific things in the previous life that carries over, or are they at a certain progression? you know, that has them being able to be in tune this early on. So it's just, you know, it's just questions that you would have about it. Yeah. Can I ask you, um, if you were going to give somebody like, let's say me, someone who's interested in an RV, things like that, besides your great spaces that everybody keep an eye out for, uh, what, what would you recommend someone would start to research or take classes or for someone who's a beginner so they can get a hand on it? Uh, dreaming, bro, like lucid dreaming to me, like lucid dreaming to me is like a, a, a serious superpower <laughs> that you could have, um, being able to communicate with yourself and find out information about yourself that you not, you wouldn't normally would through dreaming, um, I think is, is a step in the right direction. I'm going to plug okay. my buddy's uh, book here. This is my buddy, Lee Adams, A Visionary Guide to Lucid Dreaming. Uh, I think you would like this book too, Astral. Um, I'm working on getting him back on the podcast soon. Um, but, you know, he's an interesting guy. He's going to be in our documentary. Uh, he's kind of the one who taught me uh, about lucid dreaming. And uh, he was actually stationed on the Nemets uh, for a while, not during the incident but uh he was in the navy saw some weird stuff when he was like um stationed in virginia and stuff but he um yeah he told me about like lifting my hand up and asking myself if i'm awake you know and like staring at your hand and then but like yeah. for me um the easiest way to do it was like when i go to the bathroom at like three or four o'clock in the morning just jumping back into bed and then that's when i start my dreams and i think that's par partly um, and I become conscious in the dream, but partly because I use so much cannabis before I go to bed, uh, sure. some nights that I don't think like I can't get there. Like, you know, the initial round or whatever. So round two is when I kind of jump back in. Okay. Well, a follow-up question, Mastral. Where would one begin for lucid dreaming? Cause I actually have no clue what that is. Um, man, I, I wouldn't just jump, I guess uh, to jump right into lucid dreaming would be kind of uh quick but i i think logging a dream journal like getting that practice going of of logging a journal um uh and it could be as simple as because some people a lot of people and uh, and what i hear a lot on spaces is like man i don't dream anymore like i don't remember my dreams anymore uh you know i, I don't remember dreams at all 
but I think like, and there's spurts that, that that I go through all the time where it's like weeks and weeks, and I feel like I'm not even really paying attention to it or, or or care about it. But I think if you consciously like have something or an intention before you go to bed or when you wake up to document it, and it could be as easy as like one word about the dream, you know, like the what the theme was of it, and then just start from there. And, and kind of progress. And what I found is like, you'll start in a week or two, you'll get sentences, you'll be like, Oh, is this, 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 and then it'll just slowly become a progression of what you're able to remember from the dream. And uh, so it, it just, it just becomes like a practice. And so the, I think dreaming and meditation, you know, of working with meditation, um, and I've never been like a big meditator, um, until I learned about astral projection and got so obsessed with it that I was like meditating like three times a day. Um, but those two things and, in a, uh, one of the authors that I really like, and I recently took a class on, uh, was Robert Wagner. I really like what Robert Wagner, um, writes down and how he describes it. And he also has a group of people who send in a lot of lucid dreaming. So he hears a lot about lucid dreams that people have. The dreamer, not the actor folks. Okay, here's yeah. another follow-up. Where would you start if you wanted to research how to begin, let's say, lucid dreaming? Is there a book, a good book to start with, a good video or checklist to kind of help you, guide you along, or do we need to come over and holler at you? I mean, I'm always willing, I'm always willing to help. I think, um, man, I, uh, I, I, I appreciate you asking that. One of the projects that I'm going to be working on is called Dreaming Coach. It's uh, I've got a website that I'm building. It's called dreamingcoach.com. And so I want to get together a group of, of reputable coaches. Don't go to the website yet. It's not even built. <laughs> but, um, but one of the things that I want to do, I, I know a lot of people who are into dreaming and, 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 are, and are reputable um, dreamers uh, that, that I know, dream coaches, people who have been working on this for 20, 25 years, have actually, you know, done a lot of research into it. So I want to get a reputable site where people can go, not only to like maybe do some one-on-one -on -one work with a coach for dreaming, um, but maybe like a place where they can communicate with each other uh, on their dreams and interpretations, stuff like that. Yeah, that sounds awesome. Uh, I look forward to seeing that. Um, yeah, the lucid dream thing is, um, is weird, but you're right. Cause the, when I really got into meditation, like I'm talking, like I do like for like an hour, two hours sometimes before this is when I had time before we had our son. Uh, but, um, I was doing it a lot and that actually made it so like, like I mentioned, like, so when I would go back to bed, when I would wake up, whether in the middle of the night or in the morning or whatever, um, I could just jump right in like you you kind of know like from meditating so much like it's kind of like an easier pathway into there if that makes sense um to the point where you don't have to ask yourself if you're awake anymore right i mean i don't know if you still do that well one of the things um that i like to do too and um a lucid dreamer and somebody who's an author as well as this guy called ryan hurd and it's funny uh he i i got um he calls them talesmen. So they're like, it's like a coin. One of them's like a keychain. Another one is like yeah, a magnet. Yeah, my buddy sent me the, one with this, that book. That's weird that you, that must be like a thing. Yeah. Well, it, it they're, they're buddies because in that set was a card for his book, the, your guy who you just showed. 
That makes sense. So Doesn't he live in uh, PMW? What's up? Doesn't your friend live in PMW? Yeah, my buddy lives out west in like uh, Washington. But I do find it during the day uh, helpful to have those things around um, to just kind of like be around. And so I can be like, and like there's like another one that's like a necklace. So I got it in my car. Um, and it has like on one side, are you dreaming on the other side? Are you awake? And so you kind of like ask yourself at, throughout the day and it sort of helps you to get to like pay more attention to when you're dreaming. To me, it helps me recognize things. Um, a lot of the times my lucid dreams come from reoccurring dreams. And, and most of the time it's been where I realize that I'm moving in slow motion. So in reality, the talesman, I, I haven't realized the, 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 the talesman in the dream yet to realize it. But I do think in that those reality checks that you do are very helpful. Hmm. Yeah. So like the one thing too, um, I know my, like this, these concepts are actually really old. Like I think it goes back to even the Vedas, my buddy who studies Vedanta we've had on the show, his like uh, teacher guru or whatever was having him wake up like every three hours and asking himself if he was awake like that. And you just keep doing that till that the, the goal is at one point or at some point down the line, there'll be no distinction between the waking and the dream state. I guess that's the whole point. I don't know if, uh, if you're familiar with that. Yeah. Yeah. And you want it to just carry over into the dream. So right. you want it to be routine during the day so that you see all these pieces around you that like you have. Inception whether it's the coin. type shit in real life. Yep. You know. Yeah. Um, interesting. So, um, you know, I want to talk a little bit about like sigh too, because I find that interesting. I got into the topic, I don't know, three or four years ago, whenever real magic by Dean Radin came out. Um, you know, I like how he had like a philosophical underpinnings, but he still, you know, is very scientific minded. Um, listen, Dean, if you're listening, I've tried to get you on the show. Please come on the show. Um, you know, no, it's here. Send, send this part. Send this part to Dean right now. OK, so when I first got involved in the Ryan Research Center, um, I was like, I'm going to become a parapsychologist. I'm going to be the youngest one. To be a parapsychologist, except you can't go anywhere to become a parapsychologist, right? right? So then I'm like, all right, I'm going to help this research center somehow. And they're like, there's like one fucking person there, <laughs> it, you know, like it running the whole thing. And there, it's like, what are, what are you going to do? Like, how are you going to help? So then I was like, all right, well, I'm going to learn how to do this like science stuff where you send in a journal uh, project. So I, so then uh, my first thing ever to do in the field, because I was like trying to really do things in the field of parapsychology, like do things with like on the scientific level. And so I got into the a joint conference, which was the Parapsychological Association and the uh, Society for Scientific Exploration. So they had a joint conference, which is like these they're they're fringe organizations but they're both scientifically recognized so if you were going to print a if you were going to submit a journal uh or a scientific project right now or a paper these are the probably the two organizations where you would submit it so i uh, like i'm like i don't know 28 29 at the time um and i i send in a project about a web my website the astral which is just like my way of like trying to explore these concepts 
of psi, telepathy, ESP. You know, I was just going there in the research center. So I get accepted the whole, and everybody's like, what? This kid got accepted. Like, how is this? So I go to this conference in Colorado. Luckily, my brother's there. Weed's legal. I'm like, hell yeah, I'm going there. Let's go. <laughs> I go to this conference and um, uh, I have a poster presentation. I'm like the youngest kid in the room by like 30 years, right? I have a poster presentation. The guy next to me doing the poster presentation is Dean Radin. I'm like, damn, this is cool. So that's my Dean Radin story. And so I was nice. always like, uh, kind of like a Dean Radin fan at the time as well, because he was like the guy I thought who was going to be leading the field, who yeah. it basically is. And so uh, to have him next to me and like, you know, be like, yo, I got a poster next to Dean, right? was kind of cool at the time. So yeah, that's uh, awesome. yeah, man, I, I can, I, I can reach out too. I think he's cool about doing a lot of um, podcasts like this, but yeah, he's, a, he's definitely a guy who I feel like is, is on the, is on the, uh, the cusp of something big. Yeah. Real magic's a great book for anybody that hasn't checked it out. You should uh, pick that up. Um, what was your presentation? You just walked up on stage and took a huge dab in front of everybody and go watch this. No, it wasn't. Well, it wasn't. It wasn't a, it, it, I, I wish I, I wish I could have made a presentation. They were probably like, no way we're going to let this young guy on stage talk about like, who knows aliens or something like, so it was just a poster presentation. Um, so they wouldn't even let me do the, the presentation. So, but even just doing, trying to get involved in the field of doing, so then later on, I did an actual research project, bro. Like I, I, I came up with the, I used the scientific method. I, um, my assistant researcher was like this emeritus professor from Duke, which is funny because like his, um, his CA was like 18 pages long or, or CV was like 18 pages long and mine's like one, right? And uh, so I come up with the research project and, and actually got, got funded, um, by, by, uh, the be all organization who is like the only organization it was on, uh, precognition and kids, uh, and if they're age groups and within age groups, whether the precognition effect gets stronger or weaker as they get older. And so I was one of the only people who have ever, uh, studied officially, uh, any kind of psi or psychic phenomenon in kids. That's interesting. Um, so like one of the things though, when they like in real magic, like when they're talking about the experiments that they do, whether it's, you know, the random number generator or trying to quantify if somebody can tell if you're looking at the back of their head. I don't you know, I'm sure you've, you're familiar with all those. Um, but like the results come in as like 55% to 45%. So there is like, a slight increase on the one end of things and people be like, Oh, well that's just error or something like that. I mean, like, what do you think about that when you, when you see those results where it's like, there is a difference, but it's not like a huge margin. Do you think it's because we're yeah. still like evolving that ability maybe, or we're just on like the beginning stages of it? Or like, what do you think's happening there? Man, I think that there's a game going on with how much testing you have to do and the minimum amount of data you need to show that there's an effect taking place, right? Like scientifically, and this is what I was like figuring out of like, cause I was like, okay, well, how do you know if telepathy is real? And they're like, well, after a large number of trials, there's an effect of 0 0.05 taking place. I'm like, well, what the fuck does that mean? And so like, after like that, that's kind of the game that's being played and, the, and it's already been played and the, 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 the effect has already been shown in my eyes with a lot of this stuff. 
but people just don't pay attention to the actual data. If you look from a static, a, a, a stat point of view and a um, statistician uh, where to look at the data, they would say, oh yeah, there's definitely an effect taking place. If you look at science, how science looks at um, the, the uh, com comparing it to chance and then the effect over a large number of trials, once you hit a certain number of trials and the effect is there the 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 it's supposed to be taking place and so uh, i think that's kind of the game is that people are like well there's not really a large effect but statistically and scientifically compared to all the other fields in the world it, it is taking place it just people are hard to believe or hard to kind of take that and be like okay yes that proves telepathy of like on a larger scale. And I think like that's kind of the game in, in the in the debate that's happening right now. How do you feel about, um, you think some people have the gift and they stumble on it and they're just better at it? Or you think that it's something that can be honed and trained just like working out? I, oh yeah, for sure. I think that people, I think if even looking at like the Stargate program of people who were involved in remote viewing, if you take, it's like, if you do a study with only the people who are good, you'll probably have a lot better data that will show the effects taking place than if you grab a hundred random people. But I think what has been shown is that the, the a lot of these phenomenon, whether it's telepathy, precognition, when people try remote viewing, that it's possible for it to take place. Not that everybody's good at it. You know, I think everybody's like, well, Everybody thinks that like everybody has to be good at it or like they're they're they can it consistently happens. I think that a lot of the time and and it goes to show with people who have just very spiritual or huge paradigm experiences in their life, they don't have a lot of them every day. They have like one or two in their entire life. And so I think that that goes to show too of like the relationship of that of like people have some more uh, the ability for the, it to happen to them more often. Do you think it has anything to do with the basal ganglia? You know, I haven't done a lot of research or seen a lot of connection to any specific part. Um, like inside. And I think that's like, to me, that's the hard, people talk about consciousness and the hard problem that's going on right now. That's the hard problem of like identifying even not even where I think on a general thing right now is consciousness is not confined to the brain. I think on a, on a, on a scientific level, we're coming to that understanding of like the consciousness is fundamental. It's not contained to the brain. But then people talk about like, what's the receptor? What's the physical part that is getting that information or that connection to consciousness? It's tough to say it's one part because honestly, bro, I've heard like the heart. Sometimes people talk about the heart. Yeah, is the, the heart connection. has, yeah, it has, um, you know, a, uh, you know, it's got a force field around it. You can actually look this up. The heart has a force field. Uh, we did an episode with this dude who had two traditional near-death experiences and was actually living without a heart for a while. I didn't even know that was possible, but they put like this like pacemaker-like thing in there to regulate everything, which is crazy. Uh, his name's yeah. Rob Gentile. He wrote this book called uh, Quarks of Light, 
I believe is the name of it. We did an episode with him, but, um, but yeah, the heart is super uh, important. Actually, even the gut, like the gut contains 80% of your serotonin. Most people don't know that. Um, you know, they think serotonin, your brain, brain chemistry, but it's actually your guts, you know, most linked to, you know, like that's why when people do ayahuasca, you don't just take the vine that has DMT. You need the MAO inhibitor to disable all the enzymes in your gut to allow it to interact with your serotonin. Um, you know, but so the thing with, with what we're talking about, I was going to mention, and I've mentioned this many times is Duke did this study on fMRIs where they had all these people come in and they tried to, they, they put them in fMRI machines and recorded them doing a bunch of different functions. And then they had them come back like a couple weeks later, uh, and had them perform the same functions. And they were all using different parts of their brain than they used initially. So like, what does that say? You know, it says that obviously it's not, you know, depending on what it is, is not subjected to certain types or certain parts of the brain. I know there are certain things like the amygdala is connected to, you know, fight or flight um, and a lot of like anxiety disorders. So there are, there is some stuff I think you can point to, but I think that the whole um, like Gary Nolan, basal ganglia thing, I mean, it's interesting, but it's like, you know, um, you know, we'll just have to see where that goes, that research. Um, So I mean, I, I'm definitely keeping an eye on it. That's for sure. What do you think no, is, no doubt. what do you think is, uh, so you mentioned mechanisms though, like we're talking about the brain. Uh, there is this paper um, about the pineal gland, how there's these crystals that they found, um, different shapes. Um, and they said it can give a piezoelectric effect. I'm sure you know about piezoelectricity through music and everything like, you know, um, could that be the receiver if consciousness isn't, um, you know, subjected to the brain, you know, could that be what's picking up the vibration or translating it? You know, I think about that, like there's gotta be something that picks it up. Like we're, if we're, if consciousness is like radio, if we're like the receiver, then where are these radio waves, you know, coming from? And then like, where are they getting, you know, interpreter, taken in in the body you know like is it just the brain in general is it a specific part of the brain you know uh shane mentioned the basal ganglia like i don't know do you have you have any thoughts on that no well um it, it's man it's hard to i think just just the to pinpoint that i think that people are coming at it from a lot of different perspectives and angles um and you know i'm coming at it from more of like that sigh angle instead of the brain angle of like the physical side. Um, what I think a couple things that are interesting is like, I asked my kids one time, like, yo, where's your soul at? Like, where's your soul? And they pointed to, <laughs> they pointed right here, you know? And so like, it, it, because like, where's your, where, where are your thoughts at? Like where, where, where's all your stuff happening? And like, where, where's you, where are you at? And so they pointed like right here because this is where they felt like, there it's all sort of manifesting i guess um but one of the things too that i've heard um i haven't actually experienced when i have been out of body a cord a silver cord people a lot of people talk about a silver cord um uh what i found interesting is that people describe it being connected to their third eye or the or the third eye to their physical body and that's how that that connection is happening so what what you take that that um but yeah it's it 
Um, and I, I was in a bunch of spaces um, that have talked about that and the effect of fluoride of, on the on the third eye. And if there is a sort of effect um, of what you do in the physical war, world that can clear up or activate, you know, that sort of connection between the two so that it happens more frequently or that you can intend uh, it, kind of intend to have it happen more often. But yeah, that's it's just a complex, I, mean, I think. One uh, thing I have noticed with that, and, uh, and I don't know if this is true for everybody, but for like meditation specifically, making those connections, cutting out coffee, cutting out sugar, cutting out pop, cutting out um, anything like that. I mean, caffeine, I think, is probably the biggest villain to to that whole uh, thing. I don't know if you feel the same way, but I, when I've cut those out and I've meditated and maybe took a couple hits off a pen or a, a pipe or something like that, um, I feel like I can achieve those states a lot more easily than say if I've been drinking like a few cups of coffee or I've been regularly dabbling in the sweets and you know things like that I don't know if uh, anybody else feels the same way have you uh, ever tried transcendental meditation no I mean I know about it I mean TM's yeah. pretty popular among like celebrities because <laughs> you know, it's so you can do like 10 minutes in the morning and nighttime you know Um, no I think I might be talking about something that, uh, different hold on uh, Transcendental meditation you... is like, like a copywritten way of med- it's like a specific TMs a specific form of meditation. Um, you do like you have like there's like classes on it and stuff like that. I mean it's very specific. I'm pretty sure if, if that's what I'm talking about. Um, oh, I'm talking about something different. Where maybe my my one of my contacts he calls it holotropic breathwork. Yeah. Where yeah. you where you like you play music, um, and it's like a full day event where you basically like you get in a huge meditative state. You have music played extremely loud, um, and you just get entranced in it, and like for a full day. And it's almost like a um, you just focus on that and like getting into a deeper state and altered states of consciousness and that sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, I. Uh... I like all that. Um, yeah, I don't know. This is all just like fascinating stuff. It's it's on one one end of it. It's like um, I wish I had more time to get back into those those meditation days I had before we you know had my son. But um, you know the thing is is it can also be like a I don't even know. Like I feel like when you do it once in a while, maybe I get more out of it than when I was doing it like every day or like pretty obsessively I don't know if you feel the same way like I thought it was like good I was kind of getting something out of it but I feel like I can achieve those states too now if I just like tap into that mentally for like a couple minutes and just like recenter myself um yep you know yeah pockets bro that's that that's what I I stress myself like even with like days that I'll be into it more so than other days I just kind of embrace it that like, okay, I, I feel like I'm, I'm getting a little bit more into it these next couple of days. I'm just going to go with it and like really lean into it and, and just kind of whenever I get that motivational feeling that I'm, that I have to like get more into whether it's lucid dreaming or the, the subjects that I'm kind of, I get drawn to. Um, and it's crazy because it, it sort of has like, it, I feel like it in talking in these spaces of UFO Twitter, there's sort of like is themes that pop up 
you feel like in, you know, and like everybody get, sort of gets on these same conversations and get into these same interests at the same different, uh, at the same times. Um, but I feel like that's kind of what it is. Is like, I get in like pockets of interest that I have. So I um, just want to point real quick. I just want to point this out just to get some more comments flowing. So before the podcast, I told Astral, I said, I don't know if you know who this is, but you look like Theo Vaughn. And then he told me he got, he gets Mark Wahlberg a lot. And I could see that too. I think he looks like both Theo Vaughn and Mark Wahlberg. So if you think Astral looks like somebody, cause he says he gets it all the somebody, time, leave a comment somebody below. Somebody in the comments said that. Someone already said that we need Theo Vaughn and Joe Rogan on here. Oh, really? Yeah, way nice. up there, bro. I didn't oh, know yeah. That, that no, no, I told him. I told him before we started, bro. But yeah, get that flowing. Um, yeah, but no, I you know I I wouldn't uh, trade the time with my son for anything. So I, I the pocket things necessary. Uh, but it's just it's one of those things where, you know, I think when you when you do something like I said every day for like an hour or two hours, you get so used to it that it becomes kind of part of your practice. That when you don't have that, you know, I was kind of. You know, when we had my son, we were, I was on this like high, you know, it's like this, like, uh, you don't even really like, that's all that matters. Right. So, um, but then after, you know, like, like four or five months old and he starts crying and you got to wake up super early and it's like, oh, I don't have any time to, you know, meditate or center myself, but those pockets is, is really what's going to save you. So I think that that's an important thing for people that don't have a lot of time and, uh, you you know, just if you can get good or put in a little bit of time early on, you might be able to just find these little zones to to fall back into. Um, speaking of speaking of yeah. pockets, right? Uh, part of our uh, therapy here, one of the things they do is they give us these pockets. So between the intense therapy, when we're in, uh, we go to these groups, and then they set a pocket aside, and we all meditate, and they do a little bit of a guided thing, and and it's funny because. Who do you think is the one that starts talking about sigh and things like that? It'd be me. <laughs> Always bringing that up. Like, you guys know what you're doing? Shout out to Jared. Thank you, Jared. Viewers. You're awesome. We love you. Um, so so we've talked about Psy. Um, I want to talk about kind of what you've been really doing lately on these spaces, which is remote viewing. Um, you know, remote viewing interests me. I've never done it but i'm fascinated by it and um i've definitely read books on it i'm familiar with like ingo swan and the men who stare at goats stuff and then also um you know that that documentary that came out recently third eye spies was really good it's like russell targ and hell yeah. put off and all, all that kind of the sri um you know or monroe institute you can go a lot of different ways and actually one of the first books i read when i got into all this kind of stuff was um my big toe, which is Tom Campbell. So, um, out of all those people, who do you think, you know, you look to as like the top, the top guy, if you will. I mean, I love Tom Campbell, but not, uh, I mean, he is somebody who I look towards the simulation hypothesis. Um, you know, for remote viewing, man, Russell Targ and how put off, I mean, they were basically running the program. They came up with the program um the stargate program um and have uh, what i think was cool about the stargate program is they had a great combination of like investigators and the people who were remote viewers like the good remote viewers so it was like like imagine the competitions that were going on right you had like like uh how put off and pat price versus 
Joe McMonagle and Russell Tarr. You know what I'm saying? Like these guys were like probably teaming up and having like real competitions about who can get these targets. Um, but that's where I think like it was, was cool about it is like anybody who was involved in that program. You there? Yeah, freeze up. yeah you froze up yeah, for a second. Think... You're good. You're good. All right, sure. I was I was going to actually ask you this the same thing. So as far as um, Joe McMonagall, um, so, uh, Ingo Swan, some of these different people, do you look towards any of them as being probably, I guess, the go to the the celeb of them, um, the one that was probably I consider the master? Is there someone that I don't even know about that I haven't mentioned that you would that would you say is probably the best that's ever been? The the best that's ever been, man. That's tough. Um, is it that dude that got whacked? Um, there's some guy that Pat they, Price. Yeah, is that the guy that yes. got? Yeah, 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 Pat Price. So it was Pat. The the three remote viewers who come to mind for me um, would be Ingo Swan, Pat Price, and Joe McMonagall. But I'd also throw a couple of younger guys in there who I know about through Facebook, who were who are Daz uh, Smith and Paul Smith. Um, who I'm both connected with. So uh, those those guys, I think, are all ta- like, well, obviously, uh, the only people still really talking about it. Um, you could probably catch um, Joe McMonagall maybe talking about it. But, um, you know, you probably could find a lot more about remote viewing and people who are uh, maybe younger involved in the field on on Facebook. There's a lot of remote viewing groups on Facebook that do similar stuff that I was I do on Twitter. Yeah, my uh, buddy Lee Adams, who uh, that Lucid Dreaming book, he's got a group on uh, Facebook called Tail Eaters. Uh, if anybody's interested, they do. They have like targets, and they do the whole remote viewing thing on there. If you're interested, uh, but yeah, that Pat Price thing, didn't they? And I could be wrong, but in that documentary, Third Eye Spies, don't they insinuate that maybe like the Russians whacked them or something like that? There, there is some shady, some shady business going on. He, uh, well, I think just he. In the the whole group, I think they just it the whole thing was scary to people at the time because not only were people scared because okay these guys are capable of doing that what are the other countries capable of doing to us like are they watching us right now and then just of these people who seem to have this ability like it just probably got a lot of people paranoid um, about about their abilities and and these guys you know. I think uh, embraced some of the attention that they got and maybe were, and they were also doing stuff like finding missing people. Right. So they were, they were doing stuff above and beyond like remote viewing locations, which weren't confirmed the dark side of the moon. So they were getting information, which may not have been information, which they should have had. They contacted Sid Barrett to the other side. Um, so, um, yeah, I mean, that whole thing is just, uh, crazy. I, I do, I, I've never done remote viewing. Like I said, I'd like to try it maybe next time you do one of those spaces. Uh, the one thing I will say though, is I've had, I've mentioned this before, but, um, and I don't even know if this would be considered remote viewing, but I've had dreams 
where I saw like the specific like apartment that didn't even really look familiar to me. And then I also, um, seen it in meditation, seen it in dream. And then one day, uh, my wife and I are seeing new apartments and I thought it like this place looked familiar. I didn't even really think anything of it. We signed a lease. And then one day I'm sitting there, uh, smoking, um, in our living room. And, uh, I just get this, like the goosebumps across my whole body. And I realize like, this is that place. Um, so I don't know if that was like some sort of precog thing or remote viewing type thing, but I do think stuff like that is possible based on my own experiences of things like that. I've had a couple other ones that I keep close to the vest that have a little bit more meaning and stuff like that, but that's just the one that I always throw out there as an example where I do think this stuff's possible. Yeah, for sure. And one the thing that I've found with remote viewing is that, and I don't even feel like I am really that i mean i'm into remote viewing if it it just to state the four subjects that i always and probably will only stick on are precognition remote viewing out-of-body experiences and then the uap phenomenon as it relates to experiencers you probably won't hear me shy and then you can add the simulation hypothesis to that and you won't hear me shy away from those five topics but for um, remote viewing, uh, shit, I, th- I forgot kind of what we were what we were talking about. <laughs> like my my dreams with like precognition, and just I was just saying that I think it's oh. possible. Like remote so, if you so, so if you talk up to what I've heard about remote viewing is that if you talk to and interact in these groups, like they're so serious about these protocols of testing how why it's different from because remote viewing essentially is clairvoyance. You're seeing a picture, you're seeing something, you're getting information, and then you're just jotting it down. But the 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 process and the way that it's tested and the way that it's judged and how the data is used is, is determining on how, if it's remote viewing or if you're just testing for another psychic phenomenon. And so like when people talk about that of like precognition, it's probably having to do with that because remote viewing is like, a very stringent test on clairvoyance that has a very tight protocol that you have to stick by of like, you have to do this, 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 and this. What we were discussing a couple of days ago, or I don't know, I think you and I were talking about this was one of the spaces that I was mentioning, like from, if you get good enough at, in being aware enough of your surroundings you can start to play scenarios out in your mind and there's only going to be a certain amount of things that somebody can do next, right? Like we're human beings. We all might be different. We might have different biologies and different ways our mind work. But at the same time, we all have, there's like a certain amount of options that you have at your disposal. And if I said, Oh, that that's the case, then you would try and trick that. But if I didn't say that you would probably do the most likely thing that I think you were going to do, or one of the most likely, you know? So like, remote viewing this is what you and I were going back and forth about it like is the practice that goes into remote viewing just narrowing that down uh to give yourself less chaos or whatever like create less chaos so that you could see the options clear maybe and, and make a more direct case for that or do you think that it does you know like there is something like metaphysical going on no i i definitely think there is something going on when you're testing people who have good results 
Um, and the thing is, is like, I, and I remember the discussion because one of the things that I didn't say at the time, and I think that is easy to, is, is, is easy to acknowledge if somebody was really into remote viewing and going into our space would be like, well, if you're just doing pictures and this is what I would have said to myself, if I was a skeptic, uh, or trying to debunk it is say, well, you're just doing pictures. There's only sort of a, if I were to look at pictures, when you take a picture, there's sort of symmetry happening all of the time in pictures. So if you draw something symmetrical in some sort of way, you're going to have a lot better chance than just drawing random shit on the page. Cause nobody just really takes a, nobody's going to post a random picture of just shit. Usually they're going to take it in some sort of symmetrical way, which looks good. And so, uh, a lot of the time when you're remote viewing pictures, it's something symmetrical. Um, and, and even though you can get that, I think if you test it over time, how it's judged is not from your drawing to the picture and a scale of like one to a hundred, whether it's close, they take that picture and they group what you're trying to draw in with three other random pictures so that if another judge who has no idea what happened, what's happened, sees the drawing that the remote viewer did and look then looks at those four random pictures with the target and says okay now i think you were drawing this picture and if they select the picture which is the target that's a hit if they don't it's a miss and so you compare that with chance which is 25 percent if you're doing those four over a long period of time the best remote viewers have gotten close to 60 to 65 percent which to me is like crazy. What I think a lot of people end up doing is being very average, close to it. And so because they're not, they're just trying it for the first couple of times. And so I think that's what's taking place is like a bunch of people are trying like it baseball. for a couple of times. Yeah, like exactly. baseball, you hit 300, you're amazing, you know? And there's right now, there's only like, what, four people hitting 300 and everybody else is like 225. That one dude's going for Roger Maris's record tonight, I think. I haven't watched too much baseball this year, but uh, I think Aaron Judge is going for the, I mean, who knows what kind of sauce is going on behind the scenes with that too, but you know, you know baseball, so. Yeah. Uh, Hopefully, I mean, not, a, not, a, I doubt anymore. Like the, 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 there's always the some amount new, of there's always some personal work around. Oh yeah. I'm sure that the, the, the veal, the veil is so close to like, I don't even care to be honest with you. The Sammy steroids. Sosa, Mark McGuire, Barry Bonds era was the most exciting stuff I've ever seen. So I'm all on board. Yeah. Let's do this boys. <laughs> uh, um, you have any questions, Shane? No. I've been asking them. Oh, actually, I did. I, I forgot what it was. So what I was going to ask you was, as far as uh, Ingo Swan's book, Penetration, do you, you've read that, correct? No, I haven't read that. Okay, I haven't either. I was going to ask you a question about it. So <laughs> <Nice>. it. <laughs> okay, let me readjust that question then. So your favorite book on the subject, um, not necessarily one that probably tells someone else's story, but maybe tells a story, but also kind of, gives a lot of information what would that be oh favorite book man you know one of the things that i've read recently and i recently took a class on 
is uh, and I'll plug an author who probably people haven't heard of. Um, uh, he talks about out of body experiences and remote viewing. His name is Graham Nichols. Graham Nichols. And he explains out of body experiences like remote viewing in a sense that it, it instead of you leaving your body and your consciousness being separated, it's that an, it's an expansion of consciousness and you, the field expands of your awareness and you become aware of this huge, I guess, bubble that it just expands as you're having this out of body experience. And so um, it, it was a really interesting class and a really interesting book um, that he wrote. I can't think of it at the top of my head. And maybe Shane, you could look it up, but it's uh, Graham Nichols. And it's like traveling uh, outside the mind or something like that. Yeah. Come on, old Shaney. We got young Chasey, I, I old Shaney. We got the looker uppers. <laughs> Come on. Um. But, uh, you know, the thing that that also interests me with all this stuff is, you know, like I mentioned Tom Campbell, like he's got kind of a unique, you know, you talked about simulation theory. His thing is like what? Like we're living in a simulation and everything's funneling towards love. uh, It's towards entropy. Yeah, the entropy is funneling towards love. So you're, he uh, talks about, uh, and it's like getting deep of like why you're living, <laughs> you know, like why you're alive, like the, the, the universal question of like why we're here, he boils it down to entropy and that the, the less chaotic you can make the world around you, the, the less effect you have on things around you and the more in symmetry you can become, the better your life will be and the more, uh, I guess better for your the universe you will be, and so he talks about lowering your entropy and making decisions to do that, and how it's beneficial for everything. But the, one of the things too he talked about uh, that I thought was interesting, um, and I went to a simulation online uh, like daily seminar where he talked, Riz Verk talked, and like all these researchers that were the simulation hypothesis. But they talked about like uh, one of the things they talked about, and I posted it recently on my Twitter was like rendering, and like is it a? They said is, is it an uh, an RPG or um, what's it called an NPC? Like, are, is it is it everybody playing a role in, in this uh, simulation, or are a couple people and everybody else is is just a a non player character? And so he talked about like rendering where. Uh, for example, if you played an old school game and you were going around in a level, the board would render based off of where you are in the board. But none of the other, like if you were on level one of Mario, the game's not going to create level six while you're on level one. You know, like there's no point to. So they're only going to create the level that you're on on level one. But then he talks about also of like Fortnite or like these multiplayer games where there's a co-conscious or a co-rendering taking place that saves the processing because you're both in the same place at the same time. So it's interesting just talk like hearing them talk about video game ideas in a consciousness type of way. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I've, you know, one thing that's always struck me about the simulation theory too, and um, uh, I bring this up often, is it, it reminds me of Gnosticism or like Plato's theory of forms, which is that there's this 
you know, we're like an inferior replica of this true realm or this more perfect realm. Um, so I think that's like simulation theory is like a more modern version of that, like a, a non um, theistic, more modern version of that, if you will. Uh, I guess it could be theistic, though, because we're not really looking at it from outside of our own time period. So maybe in the future they'll be like, can you believe these people? They're so religious about, you know, simulation theory. Well, one of the jokes that I always have, bro, and I've always found the funniest thing that I've seen on it was the Rick and Morty episode where they basically go to this galactic arcade and they play this simulation game. And they're like, dude, like you lived 48 <laughs> years. Good job. So, but I've always thought about like, this is funny as scenario where like everybody's trying to, to be a person on earth of these entities and civilizations. And like, there's like a waiting line, like huge. Everybody's trying to be a human on earth to experience this in the, in the universe. And so like final like groups of people, they're like, finally get to do it. And all this UAP stuff and all this paranormal stuff, are their friends on the outside just fucking with them? And they don't, <laughs> you know, like they don't know it. They're just like, everybody's messing with them on the outside. Like, dude, you got to go. Like now we're going to mess with you because you don't know what's going on. Yeah, dude, <laughs> that's, that's actually an awesome show um, because there's so many like scientific theories and hypotheses that they, hypotheses that they use in that show. Um, I like Rick and Morty. I also like uh, Futurama. I think Futurama doesn't get enough credit. Futurama's fucking unbelievable. So yeah. Um, but uh, Rick yeah, Rick and Morty. Uh, I was gonna say the Rick and Morty guys, the guys who actually wrote that. The reason they were hired on to the Spider-Man, the multiverse thing, is because they're, they're on point with some of that stuff, mm. science-wise. Well, bro, I've always been interested in Marvel and their idea of the astral dimension. This shit is so cool to me. Um, and then when I first time I saw Doctor Strange, and that's they the only Marvel movie I like. That's the only one I like. The, the, the metaphysics. When they portrayed that, yeah, that, I was like, damn. I was like, that was cool as hell. Yeah, I'm not a comic book guy, but I did like that. I like anything that has like those science elements in it. You know, if it's too superhero-y, I'm out. But if like it's something like that, um, or you know, I don't know. I guess I'm into stuff. There's something else I saw on Disney we started to watch called Moon Knight, which has like some ancient Egyptian elements to it and stuff like that, which was kind of cool. Well, bro, one of the biggest bummers for me was when the movie Astral came out. There was a movie called Astral, and I and it was like straight up fucking horror movie. <laughs> it was about astral projection, but they got out of there and they like got you get any tortured like like all that. They was just do you get any runoff where they're like, oh, I thought you were part of this movie. No, no, no. It wasn't. Well, I mean, it was at the time where I was still like working on the uh, the idea. I mean, I've been working on the astral stuff for like probably 12 years. But, you know, it was kind of like seeing it. I was like, oh, man, a movie about astral projection. I was like, finally, bro. And then it's like a horror fucking movie where the kid gets like tortured. Old. I'm like, son of a bitch, man. Like, right. <laughs> yeah, it's got to be that. It's probably way. how a lot of UAP and UFO researchers feel, bro. And they see like all the time these movies and mm -hmm. they're just like Independence Day. Well, they, they're coming and killing. There's a Skinwalker movie and it's the same. It's, it's I know I was thinking it was going to have something to do with Skinwalker Ranch and it was a straight horror movie. I was going to say, yeah, do they bad. have a Skinwalker? I'm surprised they haven't made like a Skinwalker movie that's not a documentary. But you're saying that they have well, they, one, a, a horror one? Yeah. Yeah, it's a horror well, one. I mean, it's based I, on I Native American myth. So, I, yeah. you know. No, I'm not. Yeah, I get that. I'm, 
I'm saying I would I would like to see one that's more. Now that'd have to be a documentary, but tells a story of what them trying to do the science and stuff behind it. Because that that's the crazy part. That's the hard part in all of this. Do, figuring out the tools and how to do science for things that we necessarily don't have the slightest clue how they're working. That's the part that I'm interested in. Which is well, yo, let me, let me tell you a story about the astral and how the idea is supposed to go. <laughs> so the astral, the, what it is, is my, the astral is my future self. It's in the, the astral's my, uh, he's, he's the rapper who I am like in the future. When you fully so, join the funky bunch again. And <laughs> you... So he's, he's, uh, and I communicate with him right now through dreams. And so he's sending me information back in time and getting me to start record uh, these songs. And so that's what the astral, this album is about. It's essentially like me recording, me communicating with quote unquote myself. Cool. And so it's like a movie type of, uh scenario that i go through and i use these hip-hop songs to explain some of these ideas but the it's like a concept hip-hop album where i'm communicating with my future self and telling people about these uh ideas like ufos uaps astral projection psi all this shit that's pretty cool that's actually pretty cool man yeah, that's badass i'm one in so Let's my do this. my whole my whole claim is like once you like the, the disclaimer is uh, listening to the astral uh, may result in out-of-body experiences. So people like that listen to it may have an out-of-body experience after. I'm in, I, bro. I, I got the song. glasses. I got the hat. Let's dance. Boy. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, but, but yeah, dude, your concepts are awesome. I like, I like your vibe. You're so upbeat. You know, there's a lot of people that, you know, for other reasons, you know, give off not the best positive vibes. And and for some good, you know, some have PTSD or some have negative experiences and stuff like that. But dude, you're 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 very infectious with your positive energy and your vibe and everything. And I think um what you're doing contributes to that too, like with meditation and uh dream work and all that kind of stuff, dream analysis. I think that all plays into it because I think when you become fully in tune with yourself, uh whether it be you know, plant medicine, dream work, you know, meditation. I think, I think being aware, that aware of yourself and the energy that you put out there, um, it, it just, it comes back to you. Um, and I, and I appreciate that about you because I don't, I, like I said, I don't see enough of that out there right now. Not to say that there's not an amazing people, like everybody on UFO tw Twitter is super cool and stuff like that. But when I talk to somebody, I told Shane this earlier too, when we were texting, I'm like, there's some people that just put off like a really good energy and you can like feel that about them, like just connecting with them. And then there's some people where, you, you know, there's something else going behind, you know, on behind the scenes, which is understandable too. We all have lives. We all have stuff that you know, skeletons in the closet or stuff that, you know, that happens that goes wrong or whatever the case may be. So, uh, but yeah, man, I really appreciate what you're doing. And, um, you know, one thing I do want to get to here before we wrap it up is, you know, your thoughts on the UFO UAP stuff. Cause that's kind of what, what we've been talking about for the most part on these Twitter spaces. So, um, how do you think that that plays into everything that we've been talking about here, uh, tonight? Well, you, I mean, I've been interested in the UFO UAP stuff for forever, man, from back in like crop circle days, you know, of just, of just getting into it. And I think once I actually got into 
the psi, the parapsychology, and then I saw the relationship of some of these like UAP experiences, um, whether it was like abductions or, or um, people starting to have see like orbs and, and CE5. I thought, um, you know, of just getting interested more into it, getting uh, involved into the field. And what I've always thought too is like parapsychology when I was there, I was always like, man, how come you guys don't study UFOs? How come you guys don't study UAPs? And it was like the stigma was still there for parapsychology to study it. You know, like these guys are studying ghosts and near-death experiences, but they're not brave enough to, to, to grab hold of UAPs and UFOs and all the stuff that's going on. So I always thought that was strange. But in and, and the ironic thing is now I feel like UAPs and UFOs are even more popular. And they missed the boat on it. And so um, I think uh, it's it sort of has captivated um, a lot of people in, in so that like people are becoming more interested in this, that see something in the sky. And they're, they're really becoming genuinely interested in, in one of the things that I uh, am, am a big proponent of, of like experience of giving people experiences instead of trying to show them evidence um, of like trying to teach people because that's how I, I ended up like really getting involved in the field is I just kind of heard things or someone mentioned something like somebody mentioned like astral, the word astral to me. And I was like, damn, what the hell is astral? And so I researched astral projection. I was like, man, what, how is this, how is this not the coolest thing in the world? Like how are people not really looking at this same with UAP stuff? Like, I feel like just the 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 subject in itself is so cool, and then you really look into it of people who have dedicated their life to to studying it and and to getting the information out. Um, I just feel like it's it's an important thing. And then you hear these experiences. Uh, like I said, I've been involved with CCRI, so I've read so many uh, testimonies and experiences of people um, that have just I've been able to relate to. Uh, I don't look at experiences anymore. Like even when people come on Twitter spaces and they talk about their experience, I don't even critique or even pay much attention to that specific experiences, but I'll pick up pieces of it that I can very much relate to every time. Yeah, no, I appreciate that too. And I think that, like I said, you're a good dude. You put out good vibes. You're not there to do that. I know Shane's, you know, none of us are really critical. I get, I get a little pushback, so I push back sometimes because I say my experiences have been positive, which they have been. I'm not going to lie. Um, so when I say that, I'll people come at me. So it's like, what do you want? You know, like that gets me frustrated because it's like I'm not judging anybody else. So why are you, you know, why are you trying to judge me? So um, that's, that's I do want to uh, uh, mention, bro, because you asked about the positive versus the negative, and you just yeah. said uh, said something about it again. For me all of my experiences in terms of the paranormal i'll say like with it with exception to two have been positive and the two that i've had the one one of them was the guy who robbed me i got a really bad vibe from a couple days before like just i never had that feeling about anybody in my entire life but when he was in my place like i i don't know scouting it out or whatever but he was somebody who I got a bad vibe from. And then I had an experience with my son that lasted 30 seconds. That was a paranormal experience that, that was a very negative and strange um, 
that I could not explain. And, and I don't want to get too much into it, but it was a, it was just a paranormal experience that, that we were both consciously having at the time where I feel like something or some, or someone was acting on his behalf for 30 seconds. That was very strange behavior that I couldn't tell. And it was a point in time where I was like really, really into like spiritual and type of stuff. And I was like planning out a spiritual conference and shit, but um, those were the only two times. Other than that, I've had multiple, like multiple, multiple experiences that have all been positive. So I think there's a, there's a, there's a spectrum, you know, that's, that, that is going on. Um, that's, that's, and I also think that there's interactions and entities here that just don't give, that just don't care about us. They're just doing their own thing. Whether we're in the crosshairs is not, is our problem. Yeah. I mean, I, I wonder, I would, I would, go ahead, Jane. I would think that it's just about my opinion, obviously, too, because I love the topic of uh, UAPs. Uh, we got Mike over here who's not very woo. He's not as woo as you and I. Let's just say that, right? But uh, so the to- the whole topic of UAPs, man, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> dude, it's dude, you just wanted to say I wasn't woo, bro. Dude. That's all you wanted to say. That's just... all I needed to say. No, anyway. Dogging me for the woo. About? That's all I'm dogging you for. It's too late for me here. No, I, you know, honestly, I don't know what you were going to say, but what I was going to say is, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I've had like probably five paranormal ish experiences, a few real heavy synchronicity experiences, which I've talked about on, on mind escape before. Um, and then most of my other experiences, well, I had one orb experience with my dad. Um, but then other than that, they've all been like, meditation slash lucid dreams slash psychedelic experiences and yeah the psychedelic ones i've had really tough trips challenging trips but i look at those as positive because i come out i feel cleansed i feel refreshed i I have a new focus on what i'm going to do when i come down and i want to get my life together and um i'm all about the woo i just feel like there's a lot of woo that's not even grounded in anything is my problem you know like i i need the woo I need the woo to be grounded in at least something I can relate to, if that makes sense. Um, but that's just no. Me. And somebody somebody posted about the word woo today, I think. And I like I, I, sometimes I'll I'll be like, oh, it's okay. Sometimes I'll be like, I hate that word, bro. Like <laughs> because of the fact that it, it's like all in like how I relate. Not in, in look, I not that I hate the word, but I I I don't like how it it's used to explain a vast number of things everything yeah like you can't put put reptilians in the same place as telepathy in woo because they have two different stages where they're at in terms of the evidence that supports where it is and so like people have done so much work it's it would be like i make the relationship all time it'd be like calling everything in uap in ufos like sorcery no matter what it is it's just sorcery and so that that would piss everybody off who have done the work to establish these things and these terms and these definitions and where it's at for it just to be like labeled bland across the board umbrella term i remember what i was going to say now i was going to suggest you know you were talking about the uaps just a second ago it just often feels like that you know, we're a bunch of violent monkeys, so why wouldn't a far advanced civilization want to study us? And because you can't advance to get to the point they are by killing each other. So I, I bring that up a lot. And, it, you know, the trauma in our brains, you know, how we work, uh, because we do a lot of violence towards each other. That doesn't mean that a 
across the solar system, other uh, whatever you want to call it, entities, NHI, they do the same thing. Perhaps they have different drives that keep them going. Maybe theirs is to go to another planet or maybe you have uh, the drive to actually maybe you're a species that only believes in conquering and killing, which is kind of us, right? So imagine a whole system of other things and the zoo hypothesis being like everything's around here and it's just not really interacting because they're just curious. Look at these these things killing each other for no apparent reason. Other I've than... never liked that though. I've never liked that idea that something wouldn't come here to study us because we're not important. That's so stupid. Like if we sent out a probe and found like monkeys, you know, going to war with each other on a different planet with crazy weapons that they made using different laws of physics that pertain to their planet, we'd be like, this is crazy. We got to study this, you know? So like I've, I, I know Neil deGrasse Tyson always uses as an example, like, oh, who, who, they wouldn't care about us or, or whatever. Like, I don't think that that's true. I, I, we care about everything. We study, think about people, they study bugs, you know, um, entomology. Um, you know, there's uh, people that But study. if you have all this, if you, if you already know all the secrets to the universe, I mean. Yeah, but maybe they just, maybe being... they just have that propulsion or maybe they cracked something that's easier to figure out given the physics on their planet you know like to leave our orbit um in our atmosphere is pretty tricky maybe there's a planet where it's super easy or maybe there's a planet where they have elements that are plentiful that would help them create something yeah. anti-gravity or something you know i don't know that's just my thoughts on that no. but and uh, yeah i agree kind of but you're wrong no, and it's just like <laughs> if if <laughs> if you were gonna if you were gonna observe uh an experiment that you had or or just be able to watch um a young civilization grow in you know because who knows how i mean one of the craziest things that i've heard uh in reading a book uh and man i've i've got this book that i definitely want to share with y'all that i've discovered in the ryan research center i didn't even get to it today um but it uh, it's a, from a researcher named Alex Tannis, who I have a lot of respect for. Um, but one of the things that he says in this book where he has a, essentially an experience with an extraterrestrial named contact, but he talks about, um, he's like, well, wh where's the next civilization or the next species? Like how far ahead of us are they? And he's like the next one on the chain of like the millions that are ahead of you is a million years ahead of you. So the next one in front of us is a million years ahead of us. So just like think about that, like how far in advance these entities and species and civilizations could be in on that scale. Yeah, I don't even think we're not even on a one on the Kardashev scale yet. I don't think we because we, we haven't harnessed the uh, our own yet. You know, and then you build off that. Then you you know. <laughs> The one thing I don't understand is, you know, I know we have solar power, but if we could figure out a way to really harness the sun's energy um, in maybe a more powerful way, I mean, that's the key right there, in my opinion. I mean, this. Well, even when you're talking about right like there. studying, it's all right there. Studying, you know? studying stuff. Like, if if everybody on Earth had the capability to travel wherever they wanted. We'd have 6 billion people going off and doing 6 billion things. It's not like the whole – I think when people are thinking like all like all of the reptilians are here looking at us or all of these – like it's probably just a small fraction who maybe are interested in that type of science from their species or their, you know, like that are like, oh, man, like let me go check out what's going on here or something. Like I, I think that like 
it's kind of naive when people talk about like humans being, it's almost like we still think we're the center of the universe. Even after we find out there's more species and entities around us, we're still like, no, they're still out there, but they're, they're concentrated on us. They're focused on us. You know, it's like they were still the center of the universe after all this. I mean, that's a, that's a real thing though. Right. I mean, I was, huh. I was watching this uh, stand up, this guy, Nate Bargatze, uh, and he was talking about, you know, um, he's like, they announced aliens. He's like, they came out and he's like, yeah, there's UFOs, you know, and like, you know, he's like, the next day everybody's like, yeah, back to work. So what? You know, like, <laughs> that's exactly kind of what happened, like, the, with the New York Times article. And then you have, you know, the only thing that's saved that, I think, is this constant barrage of like what you see happening on like UFO Twitter and social media and stuff is like the constant talking about it is what's keeping it alive because if it was just left up to the news cycle we'd already be way past it and nobody would even give a shit so in my opinion it's i I see no different than discovering god's real i mean this is absolutely this is in my opinion obviously the most important thing that humanity could ever because it plays in the consciousness i think all of this is tied together so it's it blows my mind sometimes that I see people have this big old hoopla about religion and things like that. And like how they can't wait to meet their maker. And then, hell, there's a possibility. This is our maker, right? You know, there's all kinds of theories out there, but it's just some people, even when they know, I think it's maybe they're scared, you know, maybe they they're it's a whole door. They don't want to open because even now I think to myself, how absolutely amazing it is to be alive right now when we're just realizing, wow, and then you can play back history and possibly all these things in the Bible, you know, Ezekiel's wheel. So maybe that's what's going on. That just blows my mind. That I just feel like we're on the cusp of something absolutely major. And it's like not many people are paying attention. What will it get? I mean, how do you make them pay attention? What do you guys think? Is there a way to get everyone to pay attention? Does God himself have to come down and throw a UFO at us? I think you just normalize the discussion, man, of um, uh, what I hear a lot of the time in spaces is like, uh, understandably, understandably is like, man, I can't talk about this with anybody. Like, I have to act differently. Like, for me, I've reached a point where I'm like, and I've reached, and I don't know, maybe I just like gave, stopped giving a shit what everybody thought like 10 years ago. But as soon as this stuff started happening, I just didn't care what anybody thought when I started talking about this stuff. Like this is only the only shit that I do talk about um, when I get into conversations with people. And so it's tough for me to like have these uh, leisure conversations uh, where I'm not diving into some sort of subject with people that I'm, that I feel like is, is more interesting of a conversation that they would want to have. Um, but that's the, I, I think normalizing the conversation and and just getting a real network, dude. When I see around you, you what I see around UFO Twitter right now is a lot of people that want to contribute, but they don't know how to get it going. They don't know how to get it really organized. People are like, "Yeah, I want to do this. I want to get this going. We got to do this. We're gonna do, you know." But there's not like any like what I've already started doing on UFO Twitter, bro. Is like I've already started having Zoom meetings with people who are like, yo, I can help you with your project. I'm like, let's have a Zoom meeting tomorrow, dude. Like, let's get this stuff together. Let's let's really start producing some things. And I think what I found too on UFO Twitter is there's a lot of freaking talent out there, dude, of people who 
can do a lot of stuff that are willing to help too. And if we just start connecting the dots, like seriously reaching out and being like, yo, can you do this? Can you do this? Like people are willing to do it. And I think that, that that's sort of forming right now as a, a, a trusted network too. Yeah. I want to want to mention something on that actually too, since you said that uh, UAP med, I don't, I don't know if Ted has got back to you yet or not. I, I sent him a DM to let him know. That's one of those important things, you know, like you're talking about people putting that came from UFO Twitter that came together and like, there's, there's an issue here. Uh, I had talked to Ted a while back about the problem I was having with just the fact that I knew I couldn't talk about this with my doctors, you know, I, PTSD and you should have seen my face down here, a Harvard educated psychologist. I'm like, do I do it? And then I just looked up and said, what do you think about UFOs? And she just kind of looked at me and she just says, I don't. And I'm like, oh shit, I might've messed up here. But then as I told her and explained things to her from just a perspective of, you know, you got to still learn how to read a room. That's the most important thing. You know, you, there's certain things you can and can't say because people will immediately shut you down or put you in a club. Right. So I just explained some things to her and she just she was. No. OK. Then we moved on. And that was so cathartic because it's like that's all I needed, you know, right there. And we and we moved on. But more we talk about it, and normalize it, like you said, is important. And the more people get in and. There's so many things you could be doing. There's in UFO Twitter and all these other places, you can get together and make things like UAP Med, which is an outreach program in Oregon. There's other things, and I'm sure you've got things going on too, Ashley, that you've been doing. No, I, I'm I'm glad you mentioned Ted too, because like the second time that they came on Twitter and explained what they were doing, I, I understood it a lot better because and and then I saw it happen to a lot of people when they first learn about what he's doing, they feel, I mean, they think that it's more from a experiencer perspective of like, okay, this is going to be a resource so that I can find a doctor or somewhere to go to, 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 to talk about my experiences, but what he's doing and why I want to help out because of getting that message out of like, of educating the, medical yes. practitioners the ones that are who are actually going to be hearing these these experiences and being able to being able to accept them and openly be willing to have those conversations without casting that stigma already and so and i 100% and and those are i mean i love helping out organizations like that dude like any type of way that i can graphic design work, website help. Like I've got so much experience. I feel like of just marketing and, and sales and, and business real world experience that, that I'm willing to do that. I'm, I'm up for it, man. Let me tell you a story real quick about, uh, man, Ted. So he's a good, he's a good friend. He's a good guy. He, he kind of saved my ass. I didn't know what UAPs were when I started seeing them. I was dealing with my PTSD at the time and I was losing my shit. And I couldn't talk to my doctors because, you know, that'd get me locked up at the time, three-day hold, whatever, right? That poor guy, his DMs were full of misspelled and just all over the place. And I could not believe, I go back and read them like, oh my gosh, what was wrong with me? Because it was so much and I didn't know what to do and didn't know what it was. And part of the reason he was doing it was because of that, right? Because you need people to help pull people back from the brink. That was my hardest part. It's like, who do you go to? I didn't know where to go. And it isn't about, I mean, he can tell you resources, but that's not necessarily what it was about, right? It, it's exactly what you just said. It's, it's an outreach program. It's to educate the medical community because there are people that are currently being prescribed medication for experiences or locked up for experiences because 
There's no real way to differentiate if they're sick or if they're not. So when you get to that point, when you need to talk to someone, I needed to talk to someone. So Ted was that someone and that poor guy, God love you, Ted. Thank you. And I'm sorry. (laughs) No, he's, he's honestly the best person that I've heard so far in being able to talk with somebody, regardless of what experience that they've had. Every time that somebody goes through whatever they've had, he's got a great answer and advice to tell them. And he's so non analytical and in and, and critical of the experience no matter what it is i was very impressed by hearing him talk man for sure yes yeah no i uh i was in one of the spaces with him and yeah he seemed like a really good dude that just wants to help uh, he had some crazy experiences of his own too so um that was pretty interesting to hear about hey mike do you mind if i just reel off some of the projects that i'm working on before we uh before yeah, we wrap yeah, it up of course okay I wrote them down. So, <laughs> all right. That's good. So, uh, you, have the, and, you have a ton. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So uh, I'll just kind of run them off and maybe explain some here and there. But uh, I'm I'm developing a remote viewing uh, mobile app um, that people will be able to come to participate in remote viewing and then have an actual ranking and social media aspect to it where they can share the remote viewing sessions. I'm looking for a developer, a mobile developer um, that can help me develop the app to work with. So that's one of the top things on my list. Um, I'm making an experiencer guide and a website. I actually might be able to go to. I might be able to help. with Oh, really? We'll talk after. Hell yeah. Definitely. Definitely. That's like number one, bro. (laughs) What I need to to get with. Um, So I'm I'm launching an experiencer website in, in kind of collaboration with Ray and the CCRI as a continuation to gather data on experiencers. Um, So they have some place to go to so that we can continue and look at uh, experiences and the commonalities and characteristics that are in UAP experiences. Uh, So I'm kind of helping him build the website with that um, and coming up with a guide that experiencers can share. Uh, Recording my album. I don't know. Have you ever recorded an album before? Yeah, I used to uh, record all my band's albums. Um, The the last one I did, I had to stop. I, I did I. Like four or five hundred hours, or some ridiculous amount of time. So, um, yeah, yeah, it's fun. I mean, I've been working. I've been working on this thing forever. I've been working on it forever. Um, and and just the the narrowing it down of what music I want to end up selecting is just. I'm sure you can imagine the process in itself. Um, so I, you know, that's something that I'll continue working on. Um, I'm developing the uh, a study for the Bigelow um grant that has to do with channelers and mediums. So getting uh, together a, a group, um, and I'll probably end up collaborating with some people on Twitter um, and, and some other social media platforms that have a network of uh, medium mediumship uh, and channelers. Uh, so that's a project too. Uh, so we've heard about CE5 and Heist, different methods. One of the methods that I, uh, I guess have come up with, another freaking acronym that we need, right? Is uh, it's called CAPTI, but it's created aerial phenomenon through intention. Um, what I th- basically think is happening is we're creating, we're we're intentionally creating aerial phenomenon when we're going out and doing these things. And so it's uh, coming up with a project in a study that actually looks at people who have this stuff and are are able to come out and have this phenomenon happen more often. So utilizing these people, documenting the um, the process of them going out. 
Um, somebody like just my, just my videos, right? Like Sean on Twitter, I've already contacted him. I've got a night vision binocular camera and another camera that I'm willing to, uh, send out like as a package to people, um, to document their process for a period of time, a couple sessions and as well as myself. So, um, that's a project that I'm pretty passionate about as well. Um, and then helping out the two organizations, um, that I've been involved with the past, uh, really like five years, uh, or so is, is the Rhine research center, um, which is the oldest parapsychological research center in the United States. And then CCRI, which is the consciousness and contact research Institute, which looks at, um, experiencers and the experiences that they have. So that's sort of all that I'm working on right now. That's it, bro. Just that. <laughs> yeah. It's like 10 things. Yeah. No, that's awesome, man. I got <laughs> Yeah, he's like, that's all I'm working on. I got up late for this class this morning. <laughs> Shane's and faded. It's 30 feet away. Shane's fading. I see it, Shane. You're fading. We're going to wrap it up here in like oh. five, ten minutes. Um, so, no, dude, that's awesome. And I totally want to um, make some music with you. I mean, I use Logic Pro, too, so we can share files and work on something Sweet. together if you want. Uh, I play, obviously, guitar, piano, you know, whatever, so... I mean, I no music theory, so I can use digital instruments and stuff too. Um, oh, sick! You well, usually what I did uh, when working with uh, guitar, bass players, live instruments is I would have either I'd send them like drum loops that I would do, mm -hmm. or just play a drum loop and then have them freestyle or play a couple riffs, and then I would repurpose that into a new track or just kind of cut out parts that I liked and, and put it within the song. So yeah, yeah. dude, I'm up for it, man. Just I'm down, out. man. Hey. Yeah. I have, I have some pretty good gear too. I'm all about like analog. Um, like my guitar rigs, all analog. I have a tube amp, you know, I'm all about like tone and everything. So, um, so yeah, you I'm guys down. can help me out by doing that. Send me some of those loops. I love using those loops. I don't have the, I can't do the <laughs> yet, but that's how I make my music. I'm, and I can't afford to buy all that, you know, the loops people sell. We'll get you going, bro. It's 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 not as hard as you think. I bet you we can get you playing. What do you have? Do you have any instruments? Yeah, I have a piano. Well, I have a, a full-size keyboard with a mixer and stuff, and then um, Logic Pro. Uh, most of my stuff, I want to play p actual piano. That's why I got this, to kind of learn. The Piano's the easiest one to, one to learn because it's right in front of you. You know, that that's probably the best way to go. Okay. We'll get you going, man. I'll send you some stuff to, to look at. I mean, I to be honest with you, I didn't take any piano lessons. I just, from learning music theory and knowing how to play the guitar, I mean, it's pretty, the piano is pretty self-explanatory. But from, from learning it as your first instrument, they say it's the best and most easy instrument to learn first because it's, it's, everything's right in front of you. So we'll get you going. I'll send you some videos. Sweet. And hey, let me plug one thing. Wounded Warrior, guys, you guys are watching this. Do me a solid. Just donate you know retweet whatever holler at them tell them thanks for what they do there's lots of men and women still suffering and i was humbled today i was sitting in the hot tub talking to a friend here and he's a purple heart recipient and we were just sharing stories and i just i'm i'm blessed to be here now and the thing i was going to talk about earlier that just came to me is synchronicities that there's no doubt in my mind i i'm at this moment right now with you guys because of my experiences and everything that came after it. And I, I can't explain it. It's the most wacky thing. And I would almost call it a godlike hand pushing me along saying, go here, do these, meet these people. And it's, it's just one of those things. So yeah, it's here. And I'm glad I'm here with you guys too. And you know, it's funny because I enjoy our conversations and spaces. Some of the most fun I've had in a long time, 
RV spaces, uh, in this podcast. It's just, it's, it's wonderful to be here now, like I said earlier, with all this going on and, and we're on the cusp of it, talking about it while others aren't. So. Yeah. I feel like we're early. We're early, bro. Everybody here that's talking about it right now, I feel like is, is early. They're, they're ahead of what is supposed to be going on. They're ahead of the time. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you look at what's going on in the world and the reason why, like, I think it's important for like podcasts and Twitter spaces, because usually they're focused on whatever you're talking about, whether it's UAP, UFOs, well, you know, if we're talking about this or that consciousness, philosophy, whatever, you know, I don't bring any riffraff for the outside world into this. So we keep the focus on the, the bigger questions, the bigger picture. And I think that's important. Like, I think that's what's ahead of the game because everybody's fallen victim of this, this, these mind traps and these mind loops of, you know, oh, we got to talk about this or we have to talk about that. It's, it's so important, you know, is it? Cause nobody's questioning if we're the only beings out there, nobody's questioning what happens after we die. I mean, people do, but I mean, it's a smaller portion of society, right? It's not the majority, which it's weird because we all die. <laughs> you would think people would be more interested in what happens uh, when that happens, if the lights just go out or, you know, if it's a dreamless sleep or if we move on to the next level, you know, like that's why I think it's important that we have these conversations um, because I don't know if it's it's if it's a subconscious thing within humanity um, where we try and put it off or maybe try not to think about it. But I think if you embrace it, like I've become, you know, the, the fear of death used to be at the core of my OCD and anxiety and different and it manifested in different ways. Um, with my mental health issues, but once I became more comfortable with it, you know, had some really heavy, intense psychedelic experiences and things like that. Um, you know, once that happens, you start to like put things into perspective and like, okay, this is going to happen to everybody. You know, it's almost like people have a FOMO, like they're a fear of missing out. Like when you die, Oh, what's going to happen? You know, like, but in reality, um, it doesn't matter. You just have to focus on your time here right now. Uh, that's the only thing we have is like this moment. So that's what just what I try and focus on. Um, but yeah, man, I really appreciate what you're doing. Like I said, your vibes are just off the chart. Uh, I really want to collaborate on some music stuff with you. I think whether we do some sort of, you know, you want to use some guitar stuff in your rap or you want to co-create maybe a meditation track or something like that. I mean, we could do something. We can go anywhere with it really. So yeah, absolutely. Uh, dude. Yeah. And dude, I'm really excited for all your projects, your, your, uh, remote viewing app, your music. Um, yeah. I mean, you seem like a really good dude who has a, a really good drive. And I, you know, you mentioned earlier, all these people talking about all this stuff. I, Shane and I are the same way. Like I get shit done. If I say I'm going to do something, I do it. If I want to have you on the podcast, we're going to have you on the podcast. If we want to start a new podcast, start a new podcast. It's about doing stuff. You know, anybody can yeah. talk about anything. It's about doing getting it done so and I, I see you doing that so i appreciate that no absolutely man and uh yo thanks for having me on bro and just like you said bro like we uh i had to we had to redo a little reschedule because of hurricane ian that bastard uh <laughs> but um right right after that you're like let's let's get it done man and and i think you know working with people just in the real world and, and collaborating and, and through parapsychology you sort of see the the people who are who are really into it and are really contributing really produce ready to produce some stuff 
Um, so again, man, thank you. And, and definitely dude, we're going to, we're going to collaborate on something for sure. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we didn't even really talk that much about UFOs, so I do want to get you back on sometime soon. I mean, you're welcome on any time, yeah. uh, but we'll get you back on again soon. And you know, Shane will be back in his, uh, his own bed soon. Uh, I think he's on this, <laughs> this earlier timeline. So, he, you know, his old bones can't handle it, but we'll get him back. I'm telling you what, it's midnight here. I'm like, oh Lord, I, I was about to fall asleep a couple times, but and I'm a night owl. Like, this is so, I'm, I'm the dude. Whoo, whoo! I'm out there. You, you think I'm an alien or UFO, <laughs> dude? I, I'm, I'm, I'm making rounds, bro. That's me. Um, I, well, the ne- dude, the next, the, the next Twitter conference, right? Like, there's the Experiencer conference this weekend. The next one is going to be planned by us. All right, I'm calling it right now. We're Let's planning. We're planning the next one. All right. We're getting we're getting somebody better. We're getting a better lineup. All that, but even Ooh. though uh, even though that is a pretty good lineup that is there, but I think that we've got everything in place to be able to plan that for sure. No, I love the ambition. For real. Uh, yeah, and I actually that's something Shane and I have talked about. So you're not too far off. Let's stay in contact and make something happen. Well, in 2019, just a note, I, I did plan a local conference here in Durham that was called the Aspects of Consciousness. Uh, so I've got a little bit of experience, but uh, right. not to say that it went well, but I, I love the conference shit, bro. Yeah. Yeah. Then between you and Daniel Allen Jones, we'd be safe because both of you guys have experience. Yeah. Dude, that guy goes everywhere. <laughs> Daniel's been to, he dude, if you need to know anything about a conference, this guy could probably draw you a map <laughs> of how they're all laid out, too. <laughs> Um, shout out to Daniel, by the way. Shout out to everybody listening. Chase, Tupa, William, Logan. Toby. I see you in there. Toby, uh, Jared, Alien Girl, uh, JHB, uh, you know, all the usual suspects. Ahmed, um, everybody. Lisa, we love you all. Thank you so much. Francisco, you all rock, and we love every single one of you. So, everybody, I want you to go check out astral's link i have it all the way down at the bottom so it's easy to find just scroll all the way to the bottom click on the link and that'll bring you to his music and then he'll have his website on there too so you can click on that um also you know he like he just mentioned off all those projects so look look for those in the future follow him on twitter um i'll add his to i don't have to think i have your twitter in there but i'll add it after we're done and uh, he's a great follow and he's always in twitter spaces so check him out um and uh, yeah, and if you want to support Mind Escape, all you have to do is click on the link tree link down below. We've got a merch store. We've got a Patreon. Uh, $2 a month will get you access to almost whole other episodes. There's tons of stuff on there. So if you like our podcast, there's almost like a whole another um, podcast basically on there. So go check that Speaking out. Speaking of, so, you may want to plug our other podcast. Yeah, I, th- I was just getting to it, bro. You going to cut me off? Yeah. <laughs> um, no, but uh, so this Sunday night will be our first episode of the uh, UFO or the Roswell UFO Symposium, which I'm super looking forward to, which is me, Shane, and our buddy Toby. Shout out to Toby. Um, and our guest, which will be Chuck Zakowski. Um, yeah, so I'm looking. Were we doing a space after that too, Shane? I think that's the plan. Have a space. He wants to do a, or he's willing to do a space with us so we can ask questions and talk to him. So. Okay, so so look for look forward to that, um, and I'm really excited, like I said, about this new podcast because even though I've been doing this one for the last uh, five years, you know, we do UFO 
extraterrestrial stuff probably 25 to 30 percent of the time i would say and uh with this new one with shane and toby i'll get to talk to all the top names in, in these fields and just people i haven't really talked to yet you know i haven't you know maurice and i are working on this documentary um but i haven't i didn't really immerse myself into all this stuff till now which i'm kind of happy about because i feel like the documentary is not going to be uh, what a lot of these documentaries are, which are like the same faces and names and everything. It'll be a lot of new experiencers that you haven't seen with new experiences, um, you know, new faces, new researchers, people that have been in the field for a while that you haven't probably heard of. So uh, look forward to that. But yeah, um, look, you know, you can click on, I'm going to add the link down below for the Roswell UFO Symposium. We have a link tree for that. Follow us on, on YouTube. We're going to do a show live. Um, and uh, yeah. Look forward to that. So, I want to uh, have Astro on there too. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, absolutely, dude. That sounds awesome, man. I can't wait for that. All right. Well, we got to get Shane to bed here. He's getting. Uh, he's getting look at those eyes. He's got go, to go dream of Jessica. Yeah. <laughs> and I was gonna say I haven't I haven't smoked weed in almost two weeks either. Oh my oh gosh! Boy. And I can tell. <laughs> This guy's all squirrely. I see it. Um, we got to get him back to his uh, his zone. We got to get him back to his bud tender. Um, uh, for sure. All right. Well, I'm going to end the show the way we always do, which is we love everybody. Stay safe out there, and we'll catch you next time. Peace. <laughs>